guys, welcome back to Records Near Me, a podcast for music lovers. This episode, I'm taking you back to the Midwest to a place called Shake It Records in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, this place is unique because it actually started as a record label by Jesse Hervey and Doc Kelmas in 1978. And it started as a way to issue records from local no-goods. That is a direct quote from their website. Then they began selling music through a mail-order catalog before eventually opening a storefront in 1999. However, they moved to their current location in 2001. And this place is quite eye-catching with its bold colors and eclectic decor. Everywhere you look, there's something interesting to see. They have a great selection of band t-shirts scattered on the walls and ceiling, and they carry everything, CDs, tapes, and of course vinyl records. Also, this place is wonderfully set up to discover new music. From the way the place is organized, to the little notes on the albums giving some insight to their sound, and they have a great selection of local music, which is one of the first things I always look for in a record store. I highly recommend you check this place out if you're in Cincinnati. In fact, make a special trip out because it's worth it. Now, let's go ahead and get to the interview. I'll be speaking with current co-owner Darren Blaze. Hope you enjoy. Records near me, let's go and see what lies behind a record store's mind. If you're lost, get found, take in the sound, it's the place to go when you're feeling low. So, if you don't mind, I'll share what we find, I'll make a podcast. So all this will last if you're lost, get found. Take in the sound, it's the place to go. So let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Records Near Me. Today I'm joined by Darren Blaze co-owner of Shake It Records right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, how are you doing this morning? Good, you know, getting just getting the day started. Yeah. Another day selling records. Yeah, so you, <laughs> so you got here at 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. What do you usually do in the mornings before the show I mean, opens? I drink my coffee, and I kind of go through my email, see what needs to get done, print out orders, uh, kind of, we do a lot of importing and exporting, so mm-hmm. that's a different, you know, time schedule. So I kind of see what's coming and going. Um, and then just kind of like take a walk around the store and tidy up a little bit. And mm-hmm. then uh, there's some distributor guys that we talk to in the mornings and stuff before it starts to get too busy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just kind of the average run of the mill stuff mm-hmm. because once the doors open, yeah. Your time isn't yours anymore. So, and we don't have like a back way. I want it, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't want to be squirreled away in the back room somewhere. Yeah. I want to be out on the floor. So, I want you to tell me about the first time you realized you loved music. I think what it was for me was I was at, um, you know, I was at like everybody's records, which is a, you know, another really good record shop here in Cincinnati. And, you know, like in, I don't know, I was probably a sophomore in high school or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just combing through those like cheapy bins, you know, the 50 cent bins and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. just l- buying records based on what they look like mm-hmm. and not, you know, which is kind of like a lost art now. I mean, even like here, yeah. like there'll be people going through the 50 cent records and there's 
something in your gut says this is really cool but yeah. before they even like take it and play a needle you know or drop a needle on it they're looking it up on their phone <laughs> yeah you know and you're just kind of like that was the whole deal you know just like yeah kind of going with it yeah and some of my sense. favorite records were that way like you know yeah there was um I, you know i bought it for 50 cents this a, a record uh by a guy named eddie hinton very extremely dangerous he's a white soul singer from down south and mm-hmm. I bought this record for 99 cents and I was just like, you know, I was kind of like a punk rock kid then. And, but there was just something about it, man. And I was like, man, this record's just incredible. So I think, you know, I don't think it was ever really a moment where I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Or I love music or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of the same way mm-hmm. that like, like I was a history major in college and got my degree in it and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I wrote my undergraduate thesis on King Records and these different things. And it wasn't it wasn't an immediate moment. It was this slow uh, build of knowledge and appreciation, and I think that's what comes with time. The thing that I really do struggle with is kind of mm-hmm. keeping up with the new stuff mm-hmm. because at like age fifty three now, thank mm-hmm. God I have younger guys that work here, <laughs> um, because my interests lie in older R&B and soul and country and just, you know, local labels and stuff like that. And so you can't listen to everything. There's no way. I mean, we get boxes of promos and you're just still like, oh, geez, yeah, you know, too but, many. yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to put them on and check it out and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's stuff that rises to the top and that catches your, your interest and stuff like that. And so, but yeah, so how's that for an answer? It's a great answer. All right. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So you said that you got a degree in history. Mm -hmm. So what got you to the point of owning? I always did this. I mean, I put myself through college Mm -hmm. selling records and gold mine and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, this is kind of like, I worked for other retail places and was, you know, manager and Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, chain bookstores and things like that, and worked behind the scenes and stuff. Okay. But um, so you've always kind of been doing this. I've I've always done this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was making as much money or more money selling records in gold mine and discoveries magazines back in the day, mm-hmm. and putting myself through college than than um you know, then you know, I want to say a legit job or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, I kind of, I probably started mm-hmm. selling records in 1983, 84. Okay. Is when I started like mailing records, like in the mail wow. and running ads and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I was a sophomore in high school then. So. Okay. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's just like, I just had a knack for like being able to, you know, mm-hmm. I found out later, like I had this knack for being able to just like, look at a label mm-hmm. and based on the fanciness of it <laughs> of figuring out if it was like a vanity press or a local press mm-hmm. or a small run and Cincinnati as I got more and more into it um, there were so many pressing plants in mm-hmm. Cincinnati that were making all of these small run and vanity presses that Cincinnati was just a gold mine for this stuff mm-hmm. and um, and it still is. Well, one thing that is super unique about this store is that it started as a record label. It was called Shake It Records. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shake It Records was owned by Jess Herbie and Doc mm-hmm. Kalmus, who um, 
And Jess, I worked for Jess. Jess owned a, a record shop called Moles, which is like an old school mm-hmm. used record shop um, up in the Clifton area, up by the University of Cincinnati. And I worked for him, and he was pretty influential, you know, with mm-hmm. my taste and hit me to a lot of like cool New Orleans stuff and weird jazz and all that kind of stuff. And I worked oh, wow. for him like in my early college career and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided like, yeah, I'm gonna put out some records. And so the records that he put out, like the Customs, Candy Apple, and he helped do the Ed Davis band, were records that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just said, hey, can I just use the name? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. So, I mean, it was <laughs> never like a legit full-blown, you know, thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just kind of how I started. And, you know, I took the money. You know, back in, back in that day, like somebody hit my Volkswagen and I got like 600 bucks from the insurance company. So instead mm-hmm. of like, I just pounded <laughs> out the fender. Yeah. Said, as long as I could drive it, I, it didn't really matter. So then I took the 600 bucks and like put mm-hmm. out a punk rock 45 and then wow. just kept going. And, you know, that was like a hundred and something releases ago, I guess, or something like I'd have to go and look. But, yeah. um, but now it's kind of like, you know, we put out records from like Wussy and we do, um, you know, we do mm-hmm. local reissues and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's definitely not as like gangbusters as it was but um you know it was what kind of started the whole thing and you know it started as the label and then we added a little mail order catalog when you would actually mail away and we'd send it to you and um you know and then it went to a physical store and a website and online catalog and this and that and now it's like you know i mean it's funny to think like outside of that 600 bucks Mm -hmm. like i've never put any other money into it Wow. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of grew on its own. You know, yeah, that's a I great am, investment. 22 years later, and, you know, I'm looking at more stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. it's <laughs> a lot of money sitting in this place. So. Yeah. So how has the pandemic affected business? Well, as strange as it sounds, um, 2020 was our best year in 22 years. Wow. And so, well, it was 21 years then. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, the mail order went through the roof. I mean, we were the oh, kind of yeah. shop that you know, we we were the kind of shop that was doing like I don't know, 60, 70, 80 on a busy day, a hundred mm-hmm. pieces a day, mm-hmm. um, and that's like just we've never pushed the mail order thing that much, just mm-hmm. because we're like an old school shop. Like yeah. we want to lean over the counter and sell a record, you know. Yeah. And and um. It's part of the experience. Yeah, it's part of the experience. Yeah, I I don't know. I want people to have this <laughs> experience, but not everybody can, and that's just kind of how it is. Um, and as long as it doesn't become like a big pain in the butt, I think we'll kind of keep growing it a little bit. But mm-hmm. we want our business to be about walk-in stuff, you mm-hmm. know. But like, it really is incredible. Like, whoops, I think we bought too many of those. And then you shift it to the online stuff and, you know, I come in in the morning and we sold, you know, all 16 copies that we were, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it's totally legit and you need it. Um, so when somebody walks in the door and asks for a recommendation, what is your process for figuring out what to tell them? I mean, the first thing I always say was what was, what was the re- last record that you bought and what was the last record that you bought that you really, really liked? Yeah. So, and then you can kind of start from there, you know, yeah. like sometimes it's, and sometimes they're like, I want to buy something. I want something that I only have bought, like the last three records have been on like Matador or whatever. And I'll mm-hmm. be like, you need to change it up a little bit, you know, 
buy James car record, yeah. you know, or something like that. Like just get out of your comfort zone a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, first of all, everybody should know who James Carr is. So <laughs> you should own James car record or, you know, and so you can kind of go with something that's safe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That can be like, just kind of like a gateway drug or something like I want to buy a jazz record. Well, you probably shouldn't start with, you know, Miles Davis on the corner is a great jazz record, mm-hmm. but it's not the first jazz record that a lot of people should listen to, you know, like yeah, people should go for melody and all, you know, just mm-hmm. things that are familiar. And so, you know, uh, kind of ease in. Yeah. Yeah. And genre. I mean, it's been amazing. Like, you know, Mm-hmm. I, literally like a kid that I hipped to you know like he was like a sophomore in high school and bought like you know he's always been buying you know <laughs> rock records and this record you know and just go to kind of things and stuff like that and wanted to buy a couple of like you know an interesting like world music and jazz and stuff like that and back then mm-hmm. it was like the Ethiopic series and things like that so I set him up with a couple of those and like I mean even like I think I literally said, here you go. Here is Dave Brubeck's timeout. You're going to know mm-hmm. half of this stuff. You're going to be humming half of this stuff because it's already going to be familiar from like Muzak or whatever. But here's the stuff. So he And now that yeah. kid buys like crazy ass Albert Eiler stuff. He's always asking for like, I'm like, what the hell? Is-? You know, like it's just far out stuff. And mm-hmm. so... And he's into all kinds of interesting world music and raga stuff. And, you know, like that was like his launching pad to like, you know, he'll still buy the new Stephen Malkmetz record or whatever. But in between, mm-hmm. he's buying all of these other like really super cool, like, you know, you just walk off the ledge and see if you're going to sink or swim. Yeah. Know? So, and he swims, you know. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so in 2010, Rolling Stone named you guys one of the best record stores in America. Yeah. So why do you think... I have no idea. <laughs> you guys... I looked at that list and I was like, I think that place is better. I think this place is better. I like Goner. I like this. I like... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, like one of my favorite record stores is... is um, I, I mean, there's... I, there's so many like little tiny joints you Mm know um yeah i don't know that was a really i I don't know how that algorithm worked we were flattered it was nice yeah um (laughs) and um you know i think it was a smaller herd then that's for sure Mm -hmm. um i think what was kind of cool about it is that we were kind of like in a in a a much smaller market compared to those other stores and stuff like that which I thought was kind of cool. Like, oh, somebody yeah. actually paid attention to, like, stuff that's going on <laughs> in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's always been a little hard to, like, get the attention, especially now. Um, mm-hmm. If you're trying to, like, do an in-store or whatever, like, it's a little bit more of a challenge to do it in a yeah. smaller market than it is to do it in Atlanta or whatever. Yeah. Or, like, you know, I would see... Like we would request like, like, I mean now tour itineraries are a lot tighter, mm-hmm. but um, um, we would inquire about like, I would always look for like, do they have a day off? Do they, you know, all this kind of stuff. Just like come in and do a signing or whatever, yeah. and um, and um, you know, I we even kind of did away with in stores for a while because they're just they're it's hard on the musicians. It's a lot to ask mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and so. 
it was really hard to be like, hey, we would like to do this and like not get a response at all. And you see them just doing them in L.A., Seattle, Atlanta, yeah. Nashville, New yeah. York, da, 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 and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, you know, you, you, you know where you sit. Whereas, like, you know, places that we have good relationships with, like, I mean, we've done Sleater Kinney a couple times and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. if we can get, you know, get our foot in the door, then, you know, we can make things happen and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's not to say, like, we've done a ton of really great. I mean, we did the Black Keys when nobody knew who the hell they wow. were. And now people are like, I remember seeing the Black Keys here. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because there were nine of us. And it was icy out. And it was great. It was really fun. I mean, oh we've done, gosh. you know, the Black Keys and the, you know, Indigo Girls and Tegan and Sarah and, wow. you know, Drive-By Truckers and Charlie Leuven. I mean, we put that out as a record. And, I mean, we've done a, you know, Super Furry Animals is amazing yeah i mean there is a ton of them that we've done um yeah but you know we kind of hold off a little bit more on those these days just because i like like i said like tour itineraries are so packed Mm -hmm. and you're like man this guy's gotta have a break you know what i mean like it's just i do try to cram in as many shows yeah 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 and so um yeah so we we don't pursue that as much as we used to anymore so yeah yeah so well, what would you say has been the best live music experience you've ever had? The best live music experience I've yeah. ever had was the uh, New Orleans uh, Municipal City's Municipal Retiree Gospel Concert. Wow. Yeah, just retired New Orleans City mm-hmm. Workers okay. Gospel Choir at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Oh, wow. But moved to tears. Absolutely. The most, just people singing for the complete joy of singing. Hands down the best musical experience I've ever had. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Just little old ladies. Just, (laughs) I mean, it really was. I still, I literally, I have goosebumps thinking about it right now. Wow. Like literally it was, it was the most moving thing I've ever seen. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So Shake It originally started, I know I already said this, as a record label. So they could put out local bands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. music, right? Yeah. So what's your connection to the local music scene now? I mean, now, I mean, it's just, it, it, literally just this week, we've like, mm-hmm. we got a show booked. Will you hang the flyer? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. here we go. You know, so I think it's always been that, you know, when I was growing up in shops and all that kind of stuff, like, that's where you went to see who was playing where. You know, mm-hmm. like, look at the wall, see who's playing the jockey club, see who's playing this place see who's playing that place and all that kind of stuff whereas now you know you blast it out on facebook or you blast it out or whatever but you know mm-hmm. there's still a, a chunk of that culture kind of involved yeah um i mean you just kind of end up being like you know i don't want to say a hub mm-hmm. but like it's still where you know local musicians buy music and yeah. they run into other music you know and all that kind of stuff yeah. so um you know, I mean, we've done local releases, you know, CDCs mm-hmm. and Wussy and Chuck Cleaver and, you know, our local reissue stuff and things like that. So mm-hmm. you said you started um, selling records when you were 16. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a major, like, change in the industry over the years? I know there has been a lot oh of changes, God. but yeah. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> any that stand out? or I mean, now it's about? just a matter of production. Yeah. Like, it's just they can't meet the demand. You know, when we 
are doing our orders, you know, mm-hmm. when you know Jim and Travis and Billy and those guys are doing their orders, it's been the same way for the last 15 years, 16 or 17 years, where on Mondays and Tuesdays, you order three of this Black Sabbath, four of this, this, three of the, it's just this super predictable thing. Mm-hmm. Now, when catalog and stock becomes available, you're like, do I order 25? Because I don't know when I'm going to see these again. Yeah. Because literally with new releases, mm-hmm. you look at the, you do the orders and something sells through a little quicker than you thought mm-hmm. and it's on back order by one o'clock on Friday. Wow. You know, yeah. it came out that day and it's back ordered. Wow. You might see it in a week or you might see it in six months. You know, yeah. what do you do? You know, so what you sell... Put them on to something else, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you put them to something else, or you just make sure that your use section is absolutely killer. And that's what yeah. we've always prided ourselves on is the use. We cannot control yeah. new because we're not, you know. That's you the know. section I like to look through the Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> um, and then to round things out, I just want to know if there's any um, underrated bands or albums that you think more people should listen to. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> who should I make mad? um you know i mean i always end up going back to like when people just need something that they've just never heard Mm -hmm. like i always give them like a professor long hair record or something and i mean or just get them started with Mm -hmm. stuff like an alan toussaint record because Mm -hmm. he is like the motherboard for new orleans music or a Wild Chop of Tulgan's record. Like, mm-hmm. my buddy Isaac put out, the reissued the Wild Chop of Tulgan's record, mm-hmm. which is the Mardi Gras Indian record in New Orleans. And I probably hand-sold 50 of those records. Wow. And it's got the meters on it. It's got Toussaint on it. It's got Wild Chop of Tulgan's on it. And every person that I bought that to said, one, never heard anything like it to what else can I get that's like that wow <laughs> and so that's the thing you and I'm like well there's not a whole bunch of it you know there is you know there's Bo Dallas and there's Wild Magnolias and there's this and that but then there's also you know here's the meters and here's George Porter's records and here's Ernie K. Doe and like and then it kind of starts the whole like this is this whole other world of stuff Mm -hmm. so you know that's kind of the stuff that I kind of end up you know uh, trying to hit people to and doing things like that and you know or like if it's a rock record like Mm -hmm. if they just want a rock and roll record here's a Dead Moon album Mm -hmm. you know like holy crap you know like every record in their catalog is a must own and they are so stripped down and awesome it is fascinating to like when we play them in the store i don't know what there's just this primal i mean i've been a dead moon fan for 25 years but yeah the people who come up and ask what it is can be an indie rock kid or it can be a diehard 65 year old stones fan it's just so straight down the middle rock and roll no bullshit no nothing 
so those are kind of like the things that I gravitate to that are like that are like kind of like gatekeeper kind of things where mm-hmm. like here you go you can get started and then but then I mean there's it just never stops I mean every day is a different answer you know like one day it could be a Gil Scott Heron record, and one day it could be a Dead Moon record, and one day it could be this or that. You know what I mean? Like, it just, mm-hmm. it never, like, people always say, what's your favorite record? I'm like, I can tell you now, but if you ask <laughs> me 25 minutes from now when I'm in a different mood, I'm yeah. probably going to tell you something else, you know? So, it just depends yeah. on, you know, on what it is and the ebbs and flows of my, like, you know, some days my favorite record is Misfits Earth AD, and some days my favorite record is you know, Solomon Burke down in the valley 45, you know, it's just kind of like what it is. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. So, All right. yeah. Sounds like it's about time for opening. Yeah. Sorry, folks, I had to cut it right there because I do not own the rights to that music. And let me just say, it feels like I'm in an alternate universe being in a silent record store. I got there an hour before opening and talked to Darren all the way until it was time to start the day. So, thanks for sticking around and listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it makes you want to check out Shaker Records in Cincinnati. Make sure to like or subscribe to Records Near Me on your favorite listening platform, and don't forget to check out the supplementary playlist I made on Spotify featuring bands mentioned by Darren, as well as some local Cincinnati music. See you guys in two weeks! And for those of you wondering how an amateur like me can randomly decide to make a podcast, I've been using Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Best of all, though, Anchor is totally free. So if you want to make a podcast like me, just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to